0: We see in the scripture here in the book of Revelation chapter 4 that you know for if you're just joining us or it's a nice reminder for those who have been with us that God graciously has given us an outline for the book of Revelation. We find that back in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. We've seen that first chapter, the first part of that verse, write the things which you have seen. We took a look at chapters 2 and 3, the the churches, the seven churches, the things which are the church age. Now we start in chapter 4 and moving all the way to the end of Revelation because now this is after the church age. The church has been raptured, is in heaven we are now going to continue in the things which will take place after this. After what this? The church age, which we saw. That's why the church is never mentioned again after chapter 3 until the very end when we come back with the Lord to dwell on this earth. And we will see once again. In chapter 4, we see the throne room of God. It's all about the throne. See, I think it's like 14 times mentioned in the chapter. But it's it's a, a place of heavenly worship that is taking place. Heavenly worship. A scene here in Revelation 4 is one of unending heavenly worship. And the question is, do you know where you are heading? Do you know where you're heading in the days, the months, the years to come? Well, as a believer, you have no question in your mind where you're heading. Because if you're heavenly-minded, biblically-minded, you're always, every day, pondering on the fact that is perhaps today is the day when he comes back for you and take you home to your home. That is in heaven. And as you wait upon him to take you home, And I do hope the Lord takes us all home in a rapture very quickly as we watch the signs and the times. And if you know Ezekiel 38 and 39 and some of the current events, then you are excited because they're lining up very nicely as God said and prophesied so many thousands of years prior. We don't get afraid of these days. We're not concerned about these days. We're not we're not paralyzed by these days. We're excited about these days. If you're a believer. If you haven't given your life to Christ, then yes, I can understand why you would be afraid and greatly concerned. But after today, that can all change. Now we see here in Revelation chapter 4 verse 4, John is now, as we saw in the first three verses, it was about the throne. He's, he's brought up, he's, he's brought that, that symbolic rapture into the heavens to see what heaven looks like. We see, he sees uh, a presence in, on the throne, the main throne in heaven. We saw some glimpses of the the full rainbow that is wrapped around in full circumference around the throne. Ponder on that. Go back and re-listen to the last teaching of that. But as we take a look, we're going to continue to see what is happening in the throne. And here, in the very beginning here, in verse 4 here, we're going to see what's around the throne. And we're going to see there's 24 elders here in verse 4. Around the throne were 24, uh, were 24 thrones. Those are, those are smaller thrones. It's not the throne. It's the smaller thrones that around the, the throne. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting. They weren't standing. They weren't mingling. They were sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. So this is an important verse, and we're going to take some time to go through and and talk about who are the 24 elders here. There are many views of who the 24 elders are. Let me present a couple of few of those, and I'll kind of lean toward what I believe what the Lord is showing me. But here around the throne were these smaller 24 thrones. So before the elders caught John's eye when he came into the heaven, he noticed these 24 thrones they sat on. Wow, look at those thrones around the main throne. That's, that's very interesting. But then when he st- and looked at it and observed it and, and studied it even more, these 24 elders sat on these lesser thrones around the main throne, the one they were worshiping. Later on in the Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, we're going to see that John will mention a song of worship they were singing to the one on the main throne. Now, who are these 24 elders? Many commentators will tell you they all have their own view or perspective. This usually boils down to two two options as you look and study these. It really comes down to two. They're they're either angelic beings, these 24 elders, or they're the glorified human beings, the church, those who represent and who loved and they were raptured up into heaven. Taking all these things into consideration, the elders certainly, the main point here seems to represent God's people glorified. That's the main point that they're representing here. I believe that the rapture rewarded in heaven. This is the reward. They're now representing of all representation of the people who are glorified and living in heaven. Why do I not believe they're angels? Well, I always use scripture to support scripture. That is the main thing you want to use. I hear the commentators and I hear all the different teachings that go on. But I always go back to what is the scriptures telling me that supports scripture? So why I do not believe it's angels that are highly unlikely is because angels are not ever shown in the scriptures being enthroned. They're never shown to be ever crowned. And they're never shown to be ever numbered in the scriptures, Hebrews 12, 22. Angels and elders are distinguished here as we get farther into Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. They're very distinct groups. Also, know where do we see angels ever receiving rewards? We do not. So, as we see these twenty-four elders, and we talk about the fact that they are clothed, they're sitting amongst the of uh, the of the main throne. We see they have crowns of gold. There, there's rewards and all that. angels do not have any of those descriptions. So, I don't see how we can depict that those are angels. Now, from an elders. I believe these represent the people of God, especially even in the Old Testament, gives a word picture for us of how this plays out in 1 Chronicles chapter 24. We read there in chapter 24 of 1 Chronicles, a Jewish believer would instantly remember the 24 elders that are talking about that were appointed by King David to represent the entire Levitical priesthood. He divided the priests into 24 groups or orders, each order to serve for two weeks at a time in the temple that Solomon was to build. And it's these 24 elders met at the temple precincts in Jerusalem. The whole priestly house was represented. This is a symbolic to the 24 elders I see as we look into this heavenly view. Many believe that you will look at the temple, you'll look at the, uh, the, 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 the sanctuary, it's a depiction or a picture from a heavenly scene on earth. Now in Revelation 5 verses 9 and 10, it says the 24 elders sang a song of praise to Jesus and they cried out, what did they cry out? For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Again, that's why I do not believe it's angels. It is representation of God's people because angels are not redeemed. We're redeemed. You've been redeemed. That is why we sing. That is why we will be glorifying God because you have been redeemed. That's, that's an amen. That's a hallelujah. Hallelujah. They should be making you very excited. If you're a born again believer, you've been redeemed. You will be in this heavenly scene and you will be worshiping God who's on the throne. Wow. See, in this passage, the 24 elders clearly spoke as representatives of all God's people of the great company of the redeemed the 24 elders can refer to the what many believe and i lean toward that is that these 24 elders representing all of us who have been redeemed and the 12 patriarchs that represented the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles because of each one of the 12 gates into the new jerusalem has a name of one of the patriarchs on it And each of of the names on the foundation of this has the name of the apostles. We will get to that when we get to Revelation chapter 21. So I have a leaning, the fact that the 24 represents the 12 patriarchs and the 12 apostles. Judas is out, Paul's in, that's what I believe. And they are representing the Old Testament, New Testament believers here in heaven. All those who redeemed and believed. See, if this is the case, the 24 elders would be symbolized as God's people for eternity or in entirety. And they are all right here, we see in the scripture, clothed with white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. See the white robes and crowns of the elders seem to indicate they are indeed human beings. Now someone would come back and say, "Well, I, pastor, I can see angels have white clothes, uh, white robes as well. You know, you you know the scene at the tomb. I got that. I I, I I'm with you. I'm Jiggy." But understand that the angels are sometimes presented white robes or garments. We see that three times, four times in the New Testament. But saints also have white robes. What do the white robes indicate? Righteousness. God's righteousness, a purity, has been placed upon you and I. That is why we will be wearing white. However, we never see angels crowned, but believers will be. We see that in 1 Corinthians 9.25, 2 Timothy 4.8, and especially 1 Peter 5.4. Therefore, redeemed, glorified men and women, you and I, sit enthroned with Christ on these lesser thrones, to be sure, these thrones nonetheless are so important. Why? Because they tell you and I what? The truth in Romans eight 17. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're going to be right there around worshiping Christ. It also tells us in 2 Timothy 2.12, we will reign with him. We're right there with him. It will not only be in the joint heirs, but we will be reigning with him, especially when he brings us back to this earth to reign over this earth. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. does it matter what I'm going to be doing. No, I know just know it's going to be good. What I'll be doing will be depending on how faithful I am now and how I'm serving him now will determine my position when I get of serving him for a thousand year reign. See, these elders described with white robes, having crowns on their heads. These are the same things that were promised to the overcomer in the churches when we studied the churches, if you remember. Sitting on thrones, we see that in Revelation 3.21. Clothed in white Robes, Revelation 3, 5. Wearing crowns, Revelation two ten. See, it's Scripture is very solid for me to know what and who this, this group of 24 elders and those they all represent for you and I. It's us. The fact that the elders are described in the same way as overcomers convinces me that this group is in view. Go back and I think it's 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. Look up at that reference tonight. See, I trust that all of you sitting and listening, everyone in knowing and understanding that these elders are the heavenly saints surrounding the Lord in glory. Who is sitting on the central throne. That's our future. Do you know where you're heading? Just gave you a little more glimpse. The scripture gives us a little more glimpse, of revelation of, what our future is going to be like not the mess that you're living in right now not the uncertainty that you're living on now. the doubts that are seem to be constantly coming in your minds oh no what's going to happen moments and as those get intensity and, 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 and numerous and, and, and natural disasters and wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and all the things that the scripture says will happen and increase, like birth pains will increase in intensity. These things, when you see these things, you and I do not be fearful. Be strong of good courage, Joshua 1, 1 1.9 says. Why? Because we know where we're going. We know where we're heading. We know our future. And that's all I need to know. When God's ready to give me more, I'm listening. I'm ready to listen. Right? I'm ready. Are you ready? Because we need to be ready, my brothers and sisters. We don't have anything to fear. We can be filled with joy and peace from our Lord through all of these circumstances that we're living in. Remember... This is just a vacation gone bad. We're going home soon. Verse 5, and from the throne, whoo, look at this. This is John's view, right? John is seeing this. He's like, wow, look at these 24 uh, thrones uh, surrounding the main throne. Look at these 24 elders and the, 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 what's going on here. But look what's happening in this scene. It's from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. A lot of people say, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven and just sit there and they'll be, mm, be calm and peace. and There'll be no sound. No one will be talking. Are you kidding me? There's fireworks. I mean, there's there's fireworks going on. There is worship. People are worshiping and angels are worshiping and we're all worshiping on the top of our lungs. But John sees here, Apostle John says, it precedes lightnings and thunders and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Doesn't that kind of bring you back? At least it did me. As you you study the Old Testament, you can see playing things out in the New Testament and into the heavenly scene here. But doesn't that remind you of God's presence coming down on Mount Sinai? There was thunders and lightnings and voices. and It was fire, man. God's presence coming down upon Mount Sinai. It communicates, what it says here in the scripture, it communicates when John's looking, he says, look at this awe. Look at this majesty, look at this power of God that's a, a, it's surrounding it, it's the throne of God. This is an incredible view that I'm seeing. Remember, Paul had a, a heavenly moment. He couldn't even write to it. He couldn't even write it down. There was just, there was a, he, you went to Paul? You went to you went to heaven? You saw heaven? Four, like I think it was 14 years ago, and you just now bring it up in the scriptures. He says, "Yeah, but I can't even write to it. I can't even explain it. what. Wait a minute. God did what, and you didn't say anything for 14 years, and people like you can imagine. You you would have done the same thing. Come on, guys, let's go get Paul and let's hold him down and make him tell us everything he saw." But he couldn't even write to it. Here we could, God gave the ability to John to write these words down. He, Jesus gave these words to him. And he says, look at this awe, this majesty, this power that's surrounding the, the throne of glory. Uh, the throne of God. And you and I are going to be there. Isn't that someone else? But as a believer, that's you and I. That's our future. That's where we're heading. Heavenly worship. It's interesting, these seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. See, this represents the Holy Spirit's presence. The Father was present, Son was present, the Holy Spirit was present. Here, the God, our God we worship, the being. Holy Spirit, the seven spirits that we see when we studied in more in depth. You go back and read I listen to the, 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 the teaching on Revelation 1-4. Also referencing Isaiah eleven two. This These seven burning lamps are... They're, they're, you know, if you remember, as you study the scripture, we see the Holy Spirit um, reveals himself in a, in a, as a dove in Matthew three sixteen As he came down upon... Jesus and 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 we see also the flame of fire in Acts two three the Holy Spirit said but here we see the 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 seven burning lamps and it's an important because the Holy Spirit is not ordinarily visible you don't see the Holy Spirit but he reveals himself visibly in a, in a form of a dove, in a form of a fire, in a form of, in, in, now in heavenly places, these seven burning lamps. But it is a visual representation of the presence of the Holy Spirit and his complete working, his sevenfold abundance of his power that we talked about back in chapter 1. Now, notice here, in the first part of verse 6 here of, of chapter 4 of Revelation, it says, before the throne, and we talked about around the throne. Now, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. Man, what is that going to be like? Is it like a sea? Is it a sea or is it just a, a, a form of a, a symbolic of a sea? Is it, 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 all I know is going to be crystal, Crystal clear beautiful glistening whatever it may be firm solid that we're all going to be standing upon as we're worshiping him so it doesn't matter if it's regarding a if it's like a, a sea really made of glass or if it was just looked like glass it doesn't matter to me i just know it's going to be the finest and most pure and most solid glass to stand on going to be beautiful. See, the sea in the scripture, the biblical image of the sea normally represents a tumultuous or a rebellious nations opposed against God. We see that in chapter 21, verse 1. There will be no longer By any sea on the earth, there will be no longer a sea on the earth, but the sea of glass which reflects his light as splendor and beauty. Can you imagine this beautiful crystal flooring and all the lighting and the lightning and all that going off? Wow, sensory overload. That's why many deep commentators or deep theologians believe we will see things and dimensions and other colors and and that you can't even, we can't even fathom with our limited mind. But in our new bodies, we'll see things much differently, experience things much differently. For some of you who always go to one church to another, looking for one experience than another, hold on. When you get to heaven, it will be the ultimate experience. Just get to know your Jesus now. Be still now and know who Jesus is. But the sea, the sea of glass, firm, beautiful calmness, not a raging sea, but a, a solid, flat, calm sea. If you've ever seen and looked upon a, a large body of water when it's as still, as complete, you will use the term what? Look, at it, it's like glass. If you've ever been on the water. Matthew 6.10 says, oh, remember the Lord's prayer of, on earth as it is in heaven. Here we see what we're going to see in heaven. Where we're headed. Where we will be heavenly worshiping. And in the midst there, in verse 6, in the midst of the throne... And around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. Oh, now we're getting a little bit more interesting. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf, or other, maybe in your Bible it says ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The fourth living creatures, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. So now you've got some, again, some interesting characters here. We see the comparison here of the four living creatures. Where else do you see that in the scripture about these four living creatures? We see them in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. We also see them mentioned in chapter 10, verses 20 through 22 of Ezekiel. But we understand these creatures to be cherubim, angels. Spectacular angelic beings surrounding the throne of God. Satan was once one of these angelic beings. How do we know that? We see that in Ezekiel 28, 14. But Ezekiel, or I should say cherubims, were present at the fall of humanity in Genesis 3, if you remember that. What was their role back in Genesis chapter 3, do you know? After Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God and not be obedient, they were kicked out of the garden. God said we must protect these two, and all, after, all those after them from the tree of life. So the cherubim, these, these uh, seraphims, were actually used to guard the tree of life. Here they join in the celebration of humanity's redemption. They were in the beginning when humanity went into sin, into rebellion, into uh, separation from God. Here they're now celebrating humanity's redemption back in relationship with God. Cherubim were also prominent in the design of the tabernacle. We see that in that beautiful... veil that separated from the holy and of the holy of holies. Cherubims were on those garments. We also see the two of them on the Ark of the Covenant as they tucked their wings and they were depicted over covering the seat. But they were particularly in the most holy of places most significant times in the fall of man, to the rescue of man, to now the worshiping of man, to the one and only Jesus Christ. And they had full of eyes, in front and in back, full of eyes all around and within. To see, this multiple of eyes indicates that these leaving, living creatures... These are not not blind creatures. They're not instruments. They're not robots. They, They know and understand and have greater insight and perception than any of us. They've seen it all. But notice there, they have these faces, their characteristics. And again, there's many views on what this means. But there's, they see, we see here in verse 7 that the first living creature was like, was like a lion. And like a calf, and like a face of a man, and like a, a flying eagle. See, John describes these four cherubims, each with a different face. Compared to Ezekiel chapter 1, we see that each cherubim had four faces for each of the cherubims. But all John describes and what he focuses on is the four distinct faces. And so one of the four different faces points in his direction and he looks and he sees and he he just calls it out what he sees and thinks it is. And what we find is, is there's different views of where does this... Where do we see this in Scripture, and how does this play out, and why the importance of it? Well, let me give you a few things here. Bear with me, and I'll give you some details, and you can go back and certainly study. But these four depictions are seen in the Old Testament, and many see the the correlation with this that they are representing the four key tribes that surrounded the tabernacle of each direction, of the north, south, east, and west. That the, these, these four groups were, are, surrounded the tabernacle in the wilderness. Go back to Numbers chapter 2. Read through that, and it mentions the organization of the tribes under the four heads of those, and it was, in a, but it doesn't assign mascots. Don't get there. Oh, everyone has a mascot. And that don't think it from that perspective, but they're not mascots for a tribal banners. But Judah's standard had a lion as a depiction of representing that tribe, the largest tribe, according to Jacob's prophecy of that tribe in Genesis forty nine nine. Then you had Ephraim as the ox, Reuben as a man, and Dan, the tribe of Jan, representing Eagle. Now the four different faces of the cherubim are often taken as symbols of Jesus as represented in each of the Gospels as well. These four characteristics are repeated often as a pattern that we see in the scriptures as you're reading. A pattern that signifies both heaven and the four gospels in correlation. And because there's no specific connection with or between the four faces of the cherubim and the particular gospels, Different traditions, and that may, I'll use that word, different traditions, have connected these four, vase, four faces of cherubim in these ways. Some see the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, as the lion. Showing Jesus as the lion, or the tribe of Judah. Some believe Mark is seen as the ox gospel. Showing Jesus as a humble servant, a worker. Then you have Luke. Luke is seen as the man, the, gospel, the man gospel. Showing Jesus as the perfect man, the second Adam. And then we see the gospel of John. Is seen as the eagle gospel. Showing Jesus as the man from heaven, the sky. And trust me. If you go out there, and probably some of you will, will go out there and Google, you'll get all kinds of other approaches and interpretations. Have fun. Be careful. (laughs) But perhaps it is the safest to say that the four faces are important because they represent all the living creation. I like keeping it simple. The lion is the mightiest of the wild animals. The ox, the strongest of the domestic animals. The eagle is the king of all birds. and man is the highest of all creation. All of creation, they are placed under the throne of glory. Ezekiel 1:10. To show that no creator or no creator, yeah, that no creature is to exalt himself in this world, and that the kingdom of God is over all. These creatures may be considered the representatives of the whole creation. We have the whole representation of believers and the whole representation of creation, and God created it all. Man and all creation should be worshiping God. Singing, worshiping, honoring and praising. Now at the end of verse 8 it says, And they did not, do not rest day or night. Well, there's no sleeping in heaven. So I'm sorry to ha- hurt, you know, disappoint you. I can't wait to pass from here and get to heaven by falling and get some sleep. And that's not going to happen. What did they do? They were worshiping God day and night. It says, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Anytime you're reading the scriptures and you see it repeated twice, take note. Repeated three times, you better really take note. But why holy, holy, holy here? I believe All of them were worshiping God, Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. Holy, Holy, Holy. They were worshiping the Godhead, the triune God. One being in three persons. See, the cherubim constantly repeated the phrase, holy, holy, holy. Because God is holy. His holy nature, his holy character is declared from heavens to earth. And they emphasize this because of the fact that there is no other to worship. Holy stands for holiness. It stands for a wholeness. Wholeness. The more you're holy, the more wholeness you become. The more holy you become, the more whole you become. The more holy your family is, the more wholeness your family becomes. The more holy the church body is, the more wholeness we are. Isn't that where we want to be? That you're the there's a wholeness about you. There's no there there's a there's a holiness that we want to be, become more holy. Let God do the work in your life. Forget the past. Forget the past mistakes. Forget these things because Jesus Christ has saved you. He redeemed you. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to live within you, and you are now have a ticket, one way ticket to heaven. You know where you're heading. Do you know what your future's like? God gives it to us as believers as, as children of God, the fam- part of the family. we have it right in front of us. and we're going to be with the angels, holy, 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 the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He's always existed. The chairman declared that the Lord God is Almighty. You see it also referenced back in Revelation one eight. It's the idea of the one who has His hand on everything, and He does have His hand on everything. And it's repeated and repeated. Who was and is and is to come back in Revelation 1.8 and in now. Because it is God's eternal being. It's the meaning of the name of Yahweh. The one we worship. And then we see here in verse 9. 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Notice there back in the beginning of verse 8. They don't rest, and they were saying. They were saying with these words. They weren't singing. They were saying these words right here. And now we're in the verse, uh, verse at the verse of end of, of eleven, and we see them saying more to their Lord: "You are worthy, O oh Lord." What is He worthy of? To receive glory and honor and power from who? All of creation. why because you created all things we worship you we honor you and glorify you because you are the creator we didn't just happen this world didn't just happen and it wasn't just one big boom and it just happened god purposely Created you for a purpose and a plan of worshiping and honoring and glorifying him. And everything we say and do. Now and when we get to heaven. It happens now and when we get to heaven. See the worship of the twenty-four elders is prompted by the cherubim here. Since the cherubim worship God day and night, so do the elders and all those who were there, us present. Because the twenty-four elders worship, which means to credit worth or worthiness to God. See, the elders are prompting, are showing, and crediting God for their own work and reward. What? Everything we've done, the elders are saying, all of the things we've ever done now are only because of what God has done through us. And we're going to be able to, 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 to respond by casting their crowns before the throne. Why do they do that? Have you ever asked yourself why are they taking the crown that he's given them for rewards? See, when we got raptured, we immediately go to the bema seat and we're rewarded for all the things we've done for God while we're on this earth. We've got crowns at this point. We see them in the scripture. We're already worshiping God. That that whole judgment of what we've done and, and rewards have happened. And now we're worshiping and we take the crowns off the elders. It represents us, all of us, and they're throwing the crowns back at the feet of our Lord. Why? Because they're acknowledging we could do nothing apart from Jesus. Nothing apart from what God is doing. They're recognizing we should recognize we can do nothing. We're sitting there and honoring and worshiping him by everything we do is just casting it back to his feet. Learn to do that now, my brothers and sisters, everything that God is even graciously allowing you to do for him. Do it with the right heart. And just keep casting it in front of his feet as a form of saying, You're so worthy. Thank you. I glorify you. See, if you remember, you know historically what happens even in the Roman Empire. The Roman Emperor would be over many kings, many kings, and they would come in front of the emperor and they would take their crowns as a king and throw it in front of that emperor and the emperor would then acknowledge who they are, and would show and bring and give back their crown to that king to put it back on, to go back out to rule their portion of the the land. That is, when you think about these things and you see these imageries that are happening, we're seeing the fact that we just know that you just gave this crown to me, but it's really you that did the work. It's just the fact that you just used me to do it. And God turns around, and it doesn't say this, but you know what's happening. God is just saying, but I freely give back to you here. I've rewarded you of your faithfulness of serving and loving me. How great it will be. If we if our bodies end now and he takes us home individually now, or if we rapture up, well done and good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Don't you want to hear those words? that you're faithful in your love for God and serving God? How do you serve him? Worship him. If you are finding yourself in a tremendous difficulty in your life right now, you feel distant from God, you've walked away from God, you're, you're lukewarm as we talked about, you're just flat out cold, or you're trying to serve God, but things are things are not going well, and you're going squirrely in that mind of yours. Family's a mess. Your work relations is a mess. Marriage is a mess. You single people are just a mess. That was a joke. <laughs> I've been single. I remember. How do you solve that, my brothers and sisters? How do you solve that mess? God says, Come and worship Him. He says, Stop and come and fall down and worship Him. That's what he's called you and created you and I to do is to worship him. Start there to be in the will of God. Worship him. Because the more you worship yourself, the more miserable you become. The more you worship the things of this world, the more miserable you will become. The more you worship others, the more miserable you will become. You must Worship God with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength. Start now because we're going to do it for eternity. That will settle your hearts, settle your minds. And as you seek him with all your heart, you will get all these junk and things that are in your mind. It will just fade away because he will dominate your mind and your heart. You must, you must discipline yourself. We've all been there, have we not? God, I just want to sit down and open up the Bible and read. And the first thing, like, you're like, just, I can't wait. It's been a long time. I want to just read the word. I want to hear from God. And it's like things that you haven't accomplished for the last two years all come back to your mind and you think you have to do it now. Do you think that just happens? Satan's just, and demonic forces that are around are watching these things. But you have to fight through that. Because the mind can go squirrely. You have to discipline your mind, bring every thought under captivity to worship him. You need to fight. Are you with me? This is spiritual warfare we live in every day. You must fight those thoughts because the enemy will get them in and you'll think you will think this is of God and it is not of God. Sit your mind on things above. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're heading? Yes, you should, because the Bible just says, to, it's just told us. The Holy Spirit just revealed to us this is our future. And I'm excited. I hope you're very excited because for you were created, all, you, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. It's a beautiful phrase, is it not? Look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Read this with me out loud. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Father, we thank you and praise you. And Father, as we come to the communion table. We thank you for bringing about this outward display, this outward demonstration of our love for you to come to the table and to take of this bread and drink of this cup to remind us of the perfect work you did on that cross for us. Because of you going to the cross and dying for my sin. You've you've redeemed me. You've set me free. And you've given me the hope of knowing exactly where I'm heading. I'm heading to heaven. To be in your presence for eternity. Yes, the story continues, Lord. We know as you will bring us back to this earth to rule and reign with you right now Lord in the fact that I'm a child of God because you made a way because you, you live you rose from the dead on that third day and I believe and I pray Lord everyone who is listening to my words believe that truth that you died for them And that whoever believes in you your death and your resurrection will have eternal life and they would, too, have the destination of hand, eternity bound, to be around that throne worshiping you. And as the eyes are closed, I pray, is there anyone here that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ? They, they heard the Spirit knocking. You're knocking at the door of the heart, Lord Jesus. And they're opening their heart right now and asking you to come in and save them and forgive them of their sins. If there's anyone here that God is speaking to right now, just lift your hand up high enough for me me to know who God is touching and speaking into their heart. Anyone who will give their life to Jesus Christ right now and to be saved and have that eternal hope. Raise your hand so I can see you. Don't let the enemy hold you back. Don't let the fear, but it should be an absolute joy to think that you can be saved from your sin.